Now, right now, one of the things we love, and our family loves it too, and I've got Mickey and Minnie in the back, in the back window of my car. But I have to tell you, there are a lot of things that maybe even dear Walt himself would roll over in his, ga in his grave about. But if any of you had, have seen on Fox News this week, the young woman who's a Uyghur. Now, Uyghurs are actually Muslims that live in China. And just like the Christians are persecuted in China, the Uyghurs are as well. And, and one girl, it was her father who was there, and another one was her brother, for no reason arrested, sentenced to 15 years in a concentration camp, by the way, doing slave labor for the things that China is selling to us because they've taken our jobs and industry here has shipped them over there. And in their new um, non-animated version of Mulan, give credit to one of these areas where the concentration camps are for Disney doing this production. And famous stars who are totally against Christians. They don't care that the Christians are being persecuted either. Uh, and they don't, and they don't, they're all about, you know, equality and so on and so on and so on, you know, and human rights and all of that, as long as it doesn't affect the pocketbook. You understand? This stuff is so subtle. And I think we just really have to examine our own conscience when we look at what's going on and realize that a lot of these things that are being promoted and subtly promoted to our children are not are not godly they're not but if you want to know some ways that things can influence you and impact you my my grandson jeremiah um, jeremiah it was what at halloween miss sherry and the kids were going around their block and they had all of the Halloween regalia out, you know, all the, all the yucky stuff of, of, you know, skulls and goblins and all of that going on. And, and Andrew said to Jeremiah, he's going to protect his litter box. <laughs> he said, don't look at it. Don't, look, don't let it in. Look to Jesus. You know, we have to look to Jesus. Don't look at the icky stuff. Turn, turn your head and look to Jesus. I cut out of the mouths of babes. How was he? But old was he, Sherry? About he said, "Look to the floor. Look down. We're turning our face to Jesus." My my five year old grandson is smarter than a lot of adults. <laughs> you know, I have to say, turn my head, close my ears, because it's it goes in easier than it comes out. <laughs> It's hard to get out once it goes in. So that's that in a nutshell is what generational issues are about. It's about what do we give place to? And the curse isn't just because of God, like God's trying to put a curse on his people, but it becomes comes because of sin. 
it comes because of agreement with the enemy. And when you agree with the enemy, then the enemy says, hey, it's legal. It's legal for me to put that sickness on them. It's legal for me to hold them in bondage to sexual immorality or to um, substance abuse or violence or anger. It's legal for me to do that. In our doctoral, as our doctoral, forgive me, <laughs> Ted's doctoral dissertation, we have a, we have a quote from uh, Tertullian, who was an ancient church father, you know, around some of the first hundred years A.D. And in the church, they were, it was talking about doing deliverance. And so this woman came in and she was delivered. And it said, we found in the case of this woman, when praying against this evil spirit, we said, how did you attack a Christian? And he said, I did it most righteously. Okay, he believed he had a legal right, legality. I did it most righteously because I found her in my domain. And so then Tertullian warned about going to the theater because, you know, the Greeks were very famous for their theaters and all of their um, spirits and gods and goddesses and, you know, all those things that we had to read when we were in college and whatever and, and the, tra yeah, the tragedies and so on and so forth and, you know, Oedipus and all of that nastiness and so on and so forth. And so Tertullian said, that's how, this is what we learned in the outcasting of this demon. He said, oh, I, I attacked her most righteously. I got into her. I got, you know, I got a place here most righteously, lawfully. I did it lawfully. I found her in my domain. Now, these are things I don't generally tell you in church. And I'm sorry to say, these days, if you do tell somebody that, like I'm warning you, Netflix wouldn't be happy, you know, if all the Christians across the United States suddenly canceled. They've already lost like millions of dollars since their latest antic, but that will wear off and people, you know, get back and whatever. But if there were no nobody watching Netflix and nobody's watching Amazon Prime or to say nothing, to, to say nothing. I felt like my home had been violated because the Hallmark Channel is right next to all the pornography channels on, on or whatever it is we have. Direct TV. And so I didn't realize that. And the remote is really sensitive. Sometimes if you just put it down on the table, it'll change channels. And so it had signed me up for Playboy. And I didn't, never knew it was there. You could access it. I had thought we had had it 
all parentally controlled and whatever. Until I got my bill. And I'm like, what is wrong with this? You know, it's been being $142 for a year. You know, not change. But how come it's over 200 now? And so I called them up. Oh, you've got, you're signed up for this or that or whatever on those Playboy channels. I said, oh, no, I did all the parental control thing. I sat and walked through it and did everything that the customer service person did when I signed up for this because I didn't want it on here. I didn't even want the opportunity for it to be in on here. I, I'm offended by the fact that the, the word shows up on the screen of my TV. Because here's Hallmark in little tiny print, and then right below it, you know, twice as big and in big bold letters, it says Playboy Channel. And it, it galls me every time to just see it. And the, lady, and the person said, so I said, I, I, I took care of that. And she, she said, well, um, did you do it? She was actually in our house because somebody had sabotaged the whole cable thing. And in our whole, our whole block was without cable. <laughs> and so she, they had to come to each house. And so she said, oh, well, did you do it? We were uh, upstairs where our remote, you know, the extender is. And she said, well, did you do it up here? And I said, yes. And she said, oh, well, it never really did go through because lock everything down because you have to do it on the main control box. I'm like, I, you know, I, I go livid, you can tell, uh, you know, over that. I don't even like that word being displayed in my home much less a channel being watched, much less some subscription to it. Oh, I was horrified. But I'm just telling you, if, if we all shut all of that down because we came to the conclusion that I don't even want that in my home, you know, it would make a difference. Don't want to stumble. Yeah, you don't want to even stumble into it. Don't want it to be there. So that's how that's how these things happen, you know. They, don't take it into your home. J the, uh, Moses told them, "Don't even be curious how they worshipped their gods. Don't don't even covet the gold or the silver that's on them." So sometimes we think we can be prospered by things that are a little shady. But the real prosperity comes when you're living in the covenant with the Lord. And covenant is legal. And when covenant gets violated, that's what gives the enemy a place. And that opens the door for a curse, as you would say. I don't know if I can. That... The, I, the way a curse comes is legally, and covenant is legal. David read this morning from the beginning of Deuteronomy 28. If you keep my keep covenant, if you keep my law, then no evil will befall. You'll, you'll be blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in your basket, blessed in your storehouse, blessed in your... Your, your bread bin, breast, your, your animals will be blessed. 
Their offspring will be blessed. Your offspring will be blessed. Your fields and your gardens. If, one, if an enemy comes at, at you one way, he'll flee from you seven ways. Now, don't you think if the United States of America was keeping covenant with God, there are a few problems we're having right now that God might be covering our backside, being our re-reward or our rear guard. And now, if you read this, there's like about some 15, maybe 17 blessings at the beginning of Deuteronomy. 28. And there's like 60 some curses if you don't keep the covenant. I mean, when God says, hey, I'll bless you, I'll cover you, I'll take care of you. That's it. Hallelujah. Praise God. But he said, you know, if you don't keep this, you'll have all kinds of problems, including mold and mildew and sickness and 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 lameness and blindness. And he goes on and on, just listening, listing all the things that could possibly go wrong. And then, and then at the end, it kind of says, and anything else that's bad, you can, have, you can have that too. And then if you read Deuteronomy 29, that's where um, I preached the message one time about um, a root of bitterness. It says in Hebrews, lest any root of bitterness come, come on you. And we always preach all this stuff about the root of bitterness. And the root of bitterness is, and that, that's kind of like a hereditary, you know, passed down thing. A root of bitterness being like literal bitterness. That is not what it means be, at all. What it is saying, the root of bitterness is like, it's, it's part of the curse. Your, your, your life falls into such disarray that it is so bitter, you're weeping and wailing and crying out to God, help me, God, help me. What's wrong here? My life's falling apart. My children are a mess. My house is a mess. My finances are a mess. Everything's a mess in my life, and it's so horrible. I can't stand it. That's because when 62 verses of curse come on you, you get to the place after a while where you start crying out. And in Deuteronomy 29, it says, you know, the, the, the Lord says to you, here, here's what, here's this thing's a root of bitterness. And you, you should repent because you've worshiped other gods and you've done evil before me and if you'd repent you'd be rid of this root, root of bitterness and it says the people patted themselves on the shoulder and said oh i don't have any problem there's nothing wrong with me you read it go, go and read it read it in a more modern translation read it maybe in new living it says yeah well i'm, I'm okay i'm okay there's no need for me to repent I'm doing good. 2029. 20, Read 28 and 29. It's a it's a eye-opening experience. Count it out for yourself. These are the blessings. And look at these curses. Woo! It even says in among the curses is it's a curse if you serve God without joyfulness of heart. Imagine that. God is unhappy 
If you're saying you're his child, you're his servant, but you have no joyfulness of heart, you're serving him angrily. Yeah, grudgingly of necessity. You know, Paul said that. Don't give offerings grudgingly or, uh, or of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful child. Don't you love a cheerful child? Don't you love a cheerful child? I mean, really, honestly, any of you who've had children, don't you like it on the days when they're happy, when they're content, when they're not whining and crying and belly aching and fighting with their siblings? <laughs> well, God loves a cheerful giver, and he loves a cheerful child. Hey, uh, your enemies are going to come on you and all these bad things are going to happen to you because you did not serve your God with joyfulness of heart. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that ought to eliminate Prozac, you know, <laughs> that verse alone <laughs> should shut down the psychiatrist. <laughs> And the drugs. I'll just, I'm just going to, I think I'll just do a little dance here. Praise God. I did that yesterday. I was really upset about something that was happening and having to deal with it. Ted had come up here to pray and to prepare for this morning until he told me, well, why don't you preach? And, um, and I was sitting in my chair. I was mad. I was really mad at the the devil. I was mad about what was going on, and I wanted it. I wanted to change. When I pray, I want it to change. When I say, "You get out of here," I want it to change. When I say, "Fear, you have no place in my home. You get out of here now and off my property and out of my church and out of my family and off of my people." That's it. I've, I've had it. I'm drawing the line and I'm telling you to go. And I'm telling you to go now. And I'm going to keep saying it. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus said, how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I'm asking, Holy Spirit, come. You start filling the walls of my home. Fill the walls of my church. Fill my people and bring revival to life change your church. Come, Holy Spirit. And I'm, I'm, I'm praying away and I thought, well, you know, God, Paul, and Silas, they sang songs when they were in the jail. When they were in the jail. When they were under the jail. When it was midnight. When it was dark and the rats were biting their toes. They were chained to the walls. And they just started singing. They started singing. So I put on Michael W. Smith, and this is how I fight my battles. When it looks like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you, God. I I, I bet I did it at least three hours. That's how come I could say this morning, you know, um, when when, when, um, even though I can't feel it, I know that you're moving. Even when I can't see it, I know that you're, you're working. You never stop. You never stop. You never stop working. But that wasn't good enough for me. I said, God, I don't want to say it 
even when I can't see it, you're working. Well, I know you are, but I want to see you work. I want to see you work. I want to see you work in my house. I want to see you work through my husband. I want to see you work through my children. I want to see you work in my church. I want a revival in my church so that people come to see you move. They come to Life Changer Church to see you move, to feel you move. The place is so filled with the presence and the spirit and the anointing of God that they walk in here and they can't stand up. They can't drive their cars. They have to stop their cars on the sides of the road before they even get here because the presence is so strong. I want to see you. I want to feel you, God. And even when I can't see you, and even when I can't feel you, I know that you're working. Yes, God, I do that. I do it by faith. I do it because I've seen you do it in the past. But I want to see it. And I want people to see it. And I want the world to see it. I'm off a little bit. But generational things, you know what it takes? It takes repentance, people. It takes seeking a pure heart before God. Now, I've told you, sin is an entryway for, for any demonic thing. Generational, whatever, it's sin. But there's only one answer for sin. Only one. And that's the blood of Jesus. And every bit of power the devil gets because we give it to him. Because we make covenant violation. So what I said before is covenant violation creates an open door for the curse. It's when we don't obey. It's when we don't follow the law. Now, those poor Jews, they had it a lot worse than we did. The sacrifice has been made on our behalf. But what we have to do is we have to agree. We have to agree with heaven. If we want heaven to come to earth, we have to agree with heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And now I'm a voice in the earth and I'm crying out. And I'm saying, God, have mercy on our land. Have mercy, God. I don't care what the Satanists and the sorcerers, the sin that they're doing to bring curses. I'm going to speak, speak repentance. I'm going to ask you, Lord, to have mercy on us. Cause our hearts to be so turned and tuned to you. That we repent. We have a repentant heart. Repentance always makes the way for deliverance. It's repentance that makes the way for deliverance. It's not more sacrifice on our part. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sin. And he will break the chains of the enemy. But it's not because we sing. You know, you, he breaks every chain. He breaks his power and the blood of Jesus to break every chain. Well, it is. But the blood has to be applied. And the way the blood is applied is when we repent. If we say, God, I've been walking wickedly, thinking wickedly, doing wickedly. And those around me of our culture are doing the same wickedness and worse sometimes. 
And so we need to repent and apply the blood of Jesus. Applying the blood of Jesus is what breaks every chain. Applying the blood of Jesus is what gives him entrance to do signs and wonders and miracles. Applying the blood of Jesus is what takes care of generational things that are on our family. Doesn't matter if they've been there 55 years, if it was great-great-grandpa Joe who did them. I have a right to stand up and say, I repent, Lord. I repent of that evil. I repent of the immorality. I repent, Father, for the fact that my father had pornography in our home. And as a young girl, I found that pornography where it shouldn't have been. And I repent that he exposed me to that, and I forgive him. You know, that's how some chains get broken. When we fess up, when we humbly, contritely, look up the word contrite sometimes. And it's really interesting. Some of the places where it shows up in the Psalms, it's like God's going to, you know, annihilate your enemies. But the verse before that says, if you have a humble and a contrite heart, a repentant heart, God comes in and wipes out your enemies. We want to, you know, quote the part about God doing great and glorious things for us. But we don't want to do the the contrite part. I guess I've preached long enough. I could go on and on. (laughs) That's the important thing about any deliverance. Have any of you been through the sanctification prayer and found that to be true? The, the, The thing you confessed... Suddenly, all of a sudden, when you realize, hey, this is over here and this is over here and these two things are connected and I repent of the thing over here, suddenly the thing over here, there's a breakthrough. Sometimes you can literally feel it. I've been in my, in my office back here, me and Miss Bobby, we're praying over something and praying and praying and praying with this person when we finally got the two dots connected and and that person started saying i don't want this anymore i repent of this get out calling it by name get out of here get out of me and and did it with i mean the the stronger she got in her own will in her own spirit you could feel the, the presence of god rising and i mean to tell you she went and said, I want you gone, and called it by a name, and boom, like that. And my, we, we literally, every hair on my body, it was like ele- electricity in the air. It went through that office like, you know, when you see the blue light from elect, it went through the office like that. It was so strong. It, it, it's powerful. When you realize and you say, okay, it's this and this. Many people who've been addicted, had addictions, when they got back to place and they really repented about what was going on in their life when they did that, who it was they were attached to, who that was influencing them to do it, that they were doing it out of rebellion against 
some authority or out of anger against a parent or another authority figure or under the influence of some individual and they dealt with that, they were free. Because there were attachments. A place where they chose that person either to rebel against or react to or to be in allegiance with. And that person was acting under the influence of the demonic. And when the individual that I'm praying for repented of honoring that person and wanting that person's approval more than God's approval, when they knew what they were doing was wrong, that started them onto that path that was so destructive in their life. And when they repented of that, I mean really sincerely, then something changed. Understand? So, the issue is always sin. Our agreement with it, or if it's somebody else's sin, maybe our anger and unforgiveness about what was done to us. But somewhere in there, there's a repentance issue. Somewhere in there, there's a sin. Even sometimes just saying, you know, Lord, I know, just you know, I know, Lord, I'm responsible. I know, Lord, I made some bad, I made bad choices. I know I deserve what I got because I, I'm, I'm responsible. It wasn't the fact that my mother dropped me on my head as a child. It wasn't because, even though violation is very real and very, very powerful, but you choose. I choose, Lord, to say that now at 45, it's no longer because of what somebody else has done to me, but it's why the way I've chosen to continue to act. It's my responsibility to make a change or to make a, make, make a choice to do something different. Make the choice to forgive. Make the choice to forgive. Make the choice to let the offense go. Make the choice to be reconciled. Make the choice. You make the choice, God will make the change. He, Holy Spirit means paraclete, the one who comes alongside you to help you. He joins together with you against the enemy. Isn't it better to have the paraclete working for you 